I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. In this episode, I sit down to talk with Jean-Marie Stander. At just 26, Jean-Marie was told that she had early onset menopause and that she and her husband CJ Stander the Irish rugby international and Munster player might not conceive the family that they had so hoped for. Away from South Africa and now calling Limerick home, Jean-Marie and CJ learned that just like one in six couples, our fertility is not something that we can take for granted. But now with only a few weeks away from the birth of their daughter, Jean-Marie shares her story of hope, of determination through disappointment, of the unspoken impact of fertility treatment and of the support that helped them both keep the faith. Our fertility health is something that we need to talk more openly about. And I'm so grateful to John marie for sharing her experience with us all. We hope this episode helps anyone who is looking forward to starting or growing their much-wanted family. Everyone, the podcast is supported by Mothercare, the top family-owned Irish store that's trusted by generations of mums and mums-to-be for the best value, expert advice, and everything needed to care for Bump and beyond. Today I'm sitting here in the beautiful home of Jean-Marie Stander down in Limerick um, and she has so kindly agreed to come on and tell us her story of endometriosis, of infertility and the wonderful news that in just a few weeks time she is going to meet her baby daughter. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for, for being here. Like many women, you always assumed a family was going to be on the cards. Yeah. And from a young age, you just, you just, you planned your career and you planned what's going to happen next around that. Yeah. Yeah. I was very um, oblivious to what lay ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I actually always thought that I would get married at a much later stage. I thought I would get married around 27. Even when I'd met CJ, didn't think we would, would get married early. Luckily we did. We got married when we were 23. And I Glad had, you were children. Yeah, yeah, we really were. We were uh, married six years now recently. And um, it just didn't occur to me that we'd get married young. So we did. Uh, we moved to Ireland. Um, I had a swimming career. Um, I was a very studying. successful swimming career, not yeah. just a swimming career. <laughs> it was. It was while it lasted. Uh, while injury didn't didn't plague me, but um, then I finished. you competed professionally. Yes, yes, I competed competed at the Commonwealth Games, and 
I like I really enjoyed swimming. It took it took over my life for for the time being while I was doing it. Um, I then c- completed my studies and that went great. But um, you qualified as a yeah, I qualified as a as an attorney in South Africa in South African law, and I was admitted as a barrister in two thousand and eight. No, 2017. So two really strong commitments. I yeah. mean, being yeah. a professional athlete and then a, you know, a, a very serious study yeah. <laughs> career and qualification behind yeah. you also. So yeah. at this point, you're on a path to oh, just greatness. But at that point, I was, yeah, like I was thinking of like, I was thinking in terms of family life, I was only thinking of that in the very distant, mm. distant future. Like I, I thought, Maybe we we think about it when we were reaching, we're like clo- like nearing our thirties, and um, like just the way things turned out, um, kind of life ran ahead of us, and um, because we we were married young, we had uh, like a really nice marriage of a few years. Yeah, you had we, time. There yeah, was we no had pressure. loads. Of, yeah, we had loads of time together, and it was just the two of us in in Ireland. So we um, we built a great foundation and. And one day, it just kind of occurred to me, like, I feel like I feel like we're ready to, to start mm. a family. And I'd finished my studies, so it seemed like a good time. And in my head, um, I thought it would just be a case of, like, go off the go off the pole. Because I'd been on the pole for um, for my swimming, just mm-hmm. to kind of regulate everything. Mm. Just to have more control. Yeah, have more control. So I... I thought it would just be a case of go off the pill. Um, I was very diligent. I'd seen the gynecologist and um, just checked that everything was fine. I had my rubella shot and checked all the levels of everything um, because that's just that was my personality to Mm. be kind of a planner. Mm. Um, So we like we realized I just realized something wasn't right. Mm. Um, so I went to a fertility specialist in 2016, in April 2016, um, after a few months of, of trying and nothing happening and was kind of dealt with, with the first, the first blow of, um, like it was, it was a misdiagnosis at first, but it was, it was a blow nonetheless because I realized something wasn't right. So, what did you feel wasn't right? So you said you felt like yeah, I um well first of all I I didn't get my after going off the pill I didn't get um a natural cycle again mm. and loads of people told me that it was normal after being it off, takes a on while the pill. to regulate yeah, yeah and it, and it had happened before mm. after going off the pill but um for for years and years since like since the beginning I like I never had issues I never had pain during my cycles. I, Lucky you. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have irregular <laughs> cycles. I was, if I, whether I was on the pull or off the pull, I never had issues. So I'd never had reason to believe that I even had any of, like I've heard of endometriosis and mm. I've heard of um, polycystic ovary syndrome. I've, I've heard of all of it, but I didn't have reason to believe that I'd had, had it because I didn't have any pain or any issues. So uh, I went to this fertility specialist and after not, not getting my, my cycle and my mom was also really concerned so she wanted me to see just check if everything's fine and I did a whole lot of um, tests like they call it a full medical scan and um, the doctor diagnosed me with um, polycystic ovaries 
Um, Which again is very common. It is common and I'd heard of it Mm. and I'd also Googled it because at that point... Of course you did. Of course. (laughs) It's the first thing you do. Exactly. You Google and Mm. uh, you diagnose yourself Mm. with the most horrible diseases. Um, But I'd seen that, but I had none of the symptoms except for um, like a lack of a cycle. So... Kind of, it didn't really make sense to me, but mm. I mean, she's a doctor, so you, you listen, yeah. yeah. So, I um, she diagnosed me with that and then added to that that I had a very low AMH level, which is an anti malarian hormone level. So, they test that by just it's a simple blood test, um, they any doctor can do it, and and that hormone is secreted that, and it tells you the amount of follicles you have. Okay. So it determines kind of your ovarian reserve. And that was extremely low, like dangerously low, for, especially for my age, but for any age really. How old were you at that point? I was uh, 26. Right. Yeah, so at 26. It's very young. Yeah, yeah. At 26, I had the ovarian reserve of a lady in her low 40s. Um, and you're uh, living a very clean, healthy, fit lifestyle at this point. Very, very. You were <clears throat> incredibly, you know, focused on your your swimming and and as you said, you're a planner. So you're probably thinking, yeah. what nutrition do I need to perform yeah. my best? Yeah. And what fitness plan do I need to perform my best? Yeah. So it must have been such a surprise to learn yeah. that actually there's there's been something wrong all yeah. along, and you didn't know. <laughs> that was yeah, that was the biggest shock. Like that I didn't know and that I didn't even suspect it. Like I was completely naive and oblivious to the idea that there would be anything wrong with me. I'd gone to this to this scan. I, I had to fast. And I remember having to fast from the previous night was a big deal to me. Like I, because mm. food is my life. I love eating. And, and I, I remember not being nervous about the results or anything because I didn't think that it, there would really be anything wrong. I was just like, well, again, really, you had no pain and you had exactly. no other other symptoms, yeah. secondary signs or symptoms. Yeah, I thought it would just be a clear-cut solution to as to why my period hadn't hadn't arrived yet. So she... Would, How many months, sorry, was it at the, so from, from coming it, off the pill to this point? It was six months. Okay. Um, which was, according to a lot of people, it was still normal, a normal okay. amount of time. Um, but again, just a little voice inside my yes. head and my mom's voice, of course, said, this is not, this is not right. Yeah. So, um, with regards to the AMH level, she diagnosed me with, um, premature ovarian failure, okay. which is basically in simpler terms, it's, um, it is like, um, pre your premenopausal. And hearing that was, like, I get goosebumps thinking, just hearing it back in my head. Like, I can remember her telling me that I'm basically menopausal at 26. And I'd only heard of menopause from, like, my mom hadn't even gone through menopause. Like, that's not even on the radar at 26. Exactly. Like, it's something so, so far, like, you, it wouldn't even shouldn't be a concern for anyone like most 26 year olds aren't even considering starting a family exactly they're not even learning that you may not be able to yeah they're not even in a a, like in a serious relationship and and i'm finding out that i like i might be over the hill like i've heard of the clock is ticking and i've like you hear of these things and i always kind of shrugged it off or laughed it off like it just seemed bizarre to even think of that as as an issue like I mean, I'm married and I know I'm going to have kids, so what's yeah. what's It's the just rush? the natural next step. Yeah, yeah. So how did you feel in that moment? Um, I, was, I was shocked, 
in that moment, I remember I was I was kind of shocked. I was there by myself because CJ was preparing for the Lions um, to go. No, I think he was actually away with the Lions, so I he wasn't with me, and um, I, w- I was a little bit upset with with the fertility specialist because I was shocked, but I I wasn't at a point where I was going to cry, and she kind of nudged me to the point of of being of like going okay. over the edge. So she, I remember she um, she shoved a box of tissues towards me as if to say it's okay cry and that obviously did push me over yeah. the edge because then I realized this she's serious yeah this is if the doctor is urging me to cry mm. about it then mm. then um, this is probably something to to cry over mm. so I was I was very upset and, and she she had a plan so she had um, a whole lot of hormones that she prescribed me and um, obviously I, I was fully willing to go on it, but mm. the, the issue was that CJ wasn't going to be with me for the next nearly two months. So yes. it would kind of be f- like, it would yeah, be what's kind the of, point? Yeah, yeah, it would be stupid to, to be on all of this and like, he isn't even not be able yeah. to conceive. Yeah. He isn't there. And, and then we'd be in South Africa by the time I do see him in, in about two months. So, um, I, how I, did he take the news? He, <laughs> CJ is great. He um, he's a very optimistic person, and mm. he's very um, he knows exactly how to how to handle me. And um, he was he was great. I remember calling him. I, was, I don't know. I'm just getting emotional about mm. it now. But I remember calling him and not even knowing how to like how to explain to him like this is this is the news now. Like mm. I like he <laughs> he chose to marry me. Not not thinking of obviously like this is the he obviously thought like this is the woman i'm gonna have children with but like he didn't choose me for that sole purpose no. but now i'm telling him there's a very real possibility that i would not be able to give him any mm. children and like i know that's not my that's not a woman's only purpose yeah. but you do feel like that is your biological purpose um in today's day and age it's not that much like that anymore but if that is something that you but want... But you felt like you were ringing him with news that would disappoint his him, yeah. expectations yeah. of your because family. It, and it did mine. It, it yeah. ruined my expectations. So um, it, was, it wasn't a good call. I, I distinctly remember where I was when I called him. And um, he was just great. He was just like, that's okay. That's okay. Are you okay? And he mm. reassured me. Like, he just checked that I was fine. Mm. And he said, like, we'll, we'll deal with this. And um we'll we'll take it as it comes and and that like it did help but um again he wasn't with me for for a while then um he which did is co- very hard you're, yeah. you're now at home for two months yeah i had seen carrying him, the burden of yeah, this yeah i seen him um he came back after the camp before he left for the two months so we we did have time to kind of deal with it for a little bit and until he uh, until he went away but um it was hard in that initial stage not being not being with each other and and then I was I was um, on these hormones, which is basically hormone replacement treatment. That is what they give menopausal women. Yeah. So it was patches and it was pills and it was injections and it it's drove a regime. me. It drove me completely insane. It like because now I'd gone from not even being on the pill for six months and yeah. and it's just this influx of hormones that my body didn't know how to react to. Like I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I actually. Like I remember looking at myself and I I felt like I wanted to hurt myself because I like I, I couldn't stand what I was seeing in the mirror and it was I knew it was the hormones because 
it was just like it was just unlike me to to even feel like that because in the morning I'd wake up and I'd be fine. Mm. But as soon as I took the hormones again, it would just go like at a like at a uphill battle with myself again. So what did you see in the mirror? Was it that you didn't like how you looked, or did you uh, yeah. see? It, no, it, it felt like it, it was just it was very superficial. It was just like I didn't like what I what I saw and like I I hated myself. Not not as not even related to the fertility. I just. I, I just knew that I was like my mind was playing tricks on me and I yeah. was going completely mental. So I told this the doctor while I was still here. I said to her, "Can I just take a break from these meds because I'm not seeing CJ for the next yeah. month and a half or so? Can I just like take a break for my own well-being and I'll start back up again when I come back?" So she said, "How sure are you? It's the hormones that are making you feel this way." Isn't it a, like a deep-rooted anger with yourself? And I was like, I know it's the hormones because I didn't feel like this until I started this. Okay. And I, I feel better like once once I'm not once I've slept and awake and I wake up, I feel fine until I take it again. Mm. I decided to go for a second opinion in South Africa because we were going to South Africa anyway. Um, so I I see I, I went to see a doctor there, and he said. There's no way that I have polycystic ovaries. So that was strike one of okay. a misdiagnosis. And um, the AMH levels were low. But um, he, the, the new doctor had a bit of hope to kind of do a few different things. But he diagnosed me with endometriosis, which he then scheduled an appointment to remove it with uh, a laparoscopy. And that hadn't been picked up in any scans? Not at all. Okay. Not in the... the the doctor here in, in Limerick did did an ultrasound, but didn't pick it up at all. And again, endometriosis. I don't know why I can never say this. <laughs> same, same. Endometriosis. Nope, still can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is associated so yeah. much with other symptoms. Yeah. You know, I know women who experience incredible pain yeah. alongside yeah. it. That was also so, that was also kind of a trip, like kind of a like kind of came up in my mind, like, oh, but I haven't had any pain. But the doctor did assure me that a lot of people experience it differently and obviously pain thresholds differ. And it might have been for me that because um, I remember swimming from like from because I, I was a very late developer. But so I only got my cycles when I was 16. And um, I remember having to swim races and very important meets. Mm. Um, I was at the Commonwealth Games and I had my period and I just had to swim and mm. you have to train through it and you have to just get on with it. Mm. Um, so I don't know if, if I kind of just dealt with the pain accordingly, whereas I remember my school friends would like miss school because yeah. they were on their periods and I just, there, it wasn't an option for me. So I don't know if I'd blocked it out in a way where... Just, just the mindset of being yeah, a yeah, competitor yeah. meant that you didn't necessarily listen to the feelings to my body in your because body. it was something new. At sixteen, it only started at sixteen, and and you don't know what you don't know how someone else experienced the no. pain. So it might it might have become my new normal, um, and I just got Is on starting with it. late a sign of anything to come. I I've asked them, but they they can't really give me yeah. the doctors. I've asked the doctors, and they they haven't really been able to to give me an indication okay. as to whether that's. That's normal. So the basically, um, I don't. Not a lot of people know this, but when you're born, mm. when a when a woman is born, mm. she's born with 
all the amount of eggs mm. in her body that she is going to have for her Which I lifetime. I think is so fascinating. It is. Even when you're an, when you're an ovum, when you're an egg, mm. a follicle, mm. whatever, in your mom's womb, you're, that's already determined. Like, but you are now carrying your daughter's yeah, eggs exactly. in you. That is, that is like, it's, it blows my mind to even think of that. And I, I hope that she doesn't have to go through this. But thankfully, I, I've gone through it. So yeah, I, you can I, guide her. I, I, exactly. So um, she she'll, will hopefully find a way through past it if, if she mm. does have to deal with it. But um, I don't know if that has a, has played a, mm. like a, of being a late developer plays a role in it, but um, I, um, yeah, so I, my, my eggs just weren't as many or they released mm. much quicker or much earlier, but yeah. I had the laparoscopy in um, South Africa. We, we did that immediately because that endometrius, endometriosis, <laughs> <laughs> trick word, Endometriosis does mm. affect your um, chances of, of um, conceiving naturally. Yes. So we <laughs> wanted to take that kind of um, hurdle out of the way in case that was... Of course, <coughs> eliminate also, anything. Exactly, eliminate any any added hurdles. So we did that and then um, I went on, um, on Clomid to, just to try and conceive naturally. We did that for nearly a year and a half, um, which was, it was just mentally, <clears throat> mentally, it just wrecked my head because... Why? What does it do? It, um, it, it's not as bad, like, I think at that, at that point I was also used to hormones already, like, because they, I was on a few, um, like, I was on estrogen, um, a few estrogen pills to try and just get my, that level up because that, my estrogen level was really low. But I'd, I'd gotten used to that. I wasn't nearly as bad as the first round of hormone treatment was. Um, but the, the Clomid didn't, didn't really do anything except, like, I, I gained a lot of weight. But that was fine. It's just the, it becomes a task. Like, it becomes mm. this chore of, like, trying to conceive. And it just, every, every month when, when you get, a, like, a negative test, mm. it can, like... The first three, it's okay because three months trying is not that bad, and it's, it's, it's you're okay. minimizing your hope. Yeah, but then every one after that, like I just, I felt like if I had to see one more negative test, like I didn't even want to take the test anymore. And and with every negative test, every new month, another friend felt pregnant, and another acquaintance felt pregnant, and no one knows what you're going through because. Um, I, it wasn't as much as I wasn't really ashamed um, of sharing what we were going through. People close to me knew, but it was a f it was more that I didn't want to talk about it while I was still going through it because I didn't know what to say myself. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know, and people, people not often. People always if they if they haven't been through it themselves, they don't know what to say to you. No. So, and I think and, that's out of kindness. Yeah, and but they do say the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> there, is, okay. there are. I can. I think I'll. I'll make a list of the things that you can say. Share some of them now, because I think people yeah. listening are probably supporting others yeah. that are going through this. And to be fair, I wouldn't even know where yeah. to begin to know what is, what hurts and what doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I, I think I was probably one of those people myself. Like if if someone had to struggle, I'd, I'd never really knew of someone going through that struggle while they were going through it. So 
But I, which is I really sad. We always hear about it in the past tense, in the past tense but not necessarily and, going through and, it. And I sometimes I bite my tongue, tongue, or and I just think back at me like asking someone, "Oh, when are you having kids?" It's such an innocent question. You really don't mean anything by it. But the amount of times people asked me that while we were going through all of this, like I, and then like so, so many times I turn around and I say, like I'd say to CJ. I wonder what they'd say if I tell them, like... The truth. If I just tell them, do you know if I... Like, I don't even know if I can have children. And um, and then sometimes... How did you respond? I just said, oh, you know, when the time is right and um, we'll see and if, if God willing. And and then a lot of the time we got, like, a few... Not nasty, but, like, a few comments that are like, oh, don't wait too long now. Mm-hmm. Um, or people would, would Which say... Which is mad that they're telling a 26-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Don't and, wait too long. And now. like we'd we'd get like I had people that had children themselves and be like, oh, we don't ever have children. And mm. like it would be innocent and it would be from their side, playful. Their, yeah, it would be playful, but it hurts when yeah. when the only thing you want, like I would, like I I would see like people put up on their Instagram like um, like themselves with a glass of wine and the baby in the in the in the bassinet or whatever saying um I, oh, I need this like and then I think I would gladly take that over injecting myself three times a day every day for two months just to have a crying baby to keep me up at night like and I not would, even at this point you're doing it just for the hope just for the hope of, of getting, just for the hope of getting to any point closer than than we were, um, so. But getting back to what people can say is just um, don't say, oh, as soon as you relax, like don't give advice of an urban legend you heard of. Oh, my friend was trying for two years, and once they stopped trying, they fell pregnant. Mm. Like, you, it might sound reassuring to you, but. Like, they might have tried that already. They yeah. might have stopped trying and it still didn't happen. Like, things that I think that was the most reassuring for me is just, like, just just say, so- I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, um, I'm thinking of you. Or if you ever need to talk, mm. but don't... Like, try I think, and fix it. Don't try and fix it because not even the doctor, doctor can yeah. fix it. They're trying and there's nothing that can fix it and... And were you at, angry? Not um, not at the people. Yeah, but were you angry um, that this was your reality? I was I was frustrated mostly because my entire life, with everything I'd done, I knew how to get what I wanted. Um, mm. That sounds very very hectic, but I knew if I wanted to make a team, a swimming team, I knew I had to train really hard. I had to sleep um, at a certain time. I had to eat a certain way. And I knew if I put in the work, I'd get the results. And if, with studies the same, yeah. I knew if I put in the time, I'd get it. And you were this, in control. I was in control. And, and, I, and I knew if something had gone wrong, I knew kind of where it had gone wrong. Mm. But with this, it was the first time that it was, it was not in my control. And it wasn't even, there was nothing that I could do. And I was doing everything according to what the doctors had wanted me to do and um this it just wasn't working and and it was it was really frustrating because like I what did I do wrong then like surely I must have been go I must have gone wrong somewhere because 
this isn't working and it's one of the it's meant to be one of the most natural things to achieve mm. and people achieve it by accident and people achieve it willingly and they're doing it left right and center mm. and it just feels like it's just you it's you're the only one that is struggling with this and why is that really difficult because i think that conceiving a child and raising a child um as a couple mm. and like you, you know in your experience when that dynamic changes to you feeling like you're alone in this mm. and your body is to blame mm. for this does that change the dynamic and the relationship that you both have i when it when you're getting those yeah. disappointing tests i i think i am i'm incredible i don't think i know i like i'm so incredibly grateful that i had cj in all of this because it like he just knew exactly how to comfort me and how to make me not feel like it's just me yeah um he just he was just there every step of the way even when like it did feel lonely because it did feel like it was my fault a lot of the time but he never he did everything in his power to make yes. me not feel like that and um it, it i never at one point felt like he like I was in it, in it alone or he had like any regrets or that he had felt like this was my fault or did um, he go for fertility testing he too He did and and at one point it did look like there might have been an issue um with him but it was uh, unfortunately training does have an effect on mm. male for not not permanently but it does affect Uh, male fertility and he was in the middle of a very rugby training or rugby, training rugby well any like training if it's if it's if it's really pushing intense, your body to the limits yeah you you run down your body and and he and stress as well um so he's also really healthy i mean um he also um doesn't drink like with it especially within the season mm. like he he's really healthy um but the the stress of his job mm. which is rugby and the stress of uh, and the training um really took out a lot of him uh, took a lot out of him and mm. it did affect his fertility at that point that we did the testing okay so it didn't look good which kind of add for from like a moment it added even more stress complexity to us what if what if this is complete like because one factor you can kind of yeah. manipulate but then another factor is like it makes it really hard but um but did it maybe bring you closer in that you're both he re- in I think this? I think for in that moment like he it made him realize what it feels like because yeah. he was he was kind of he was shook by it um and it like it made him realize what I felt like for for a little mm. while and um and it it kind of made our families realize too like like his family as well um like this is this is this is a real struggle like this isn't mm. this isn't games like this is real and um and we we both we both agreed from the beginning on what what we would be willing to do and um we were we were fully committed to trying to conceive our own mm. our own biological children mm. for like it wouldn't be if if he if we couldn't use his sperm then we we would use someone else's or it would be the two of us It'd and then your child and probably. after that we would sit down and have a conversation again to reevaluate yes. if it didn't work yes. but um so you were taking it in stages yeah we were taking it in stages and then, and funny enough i 
while we were still in, in the in the in that stage, um, in the beginning stage, I didn't think that I'd do IVF. It seemed very, very drastic. Okay. Uh, at that point, I didn't think that we we would go there. So um, I was I was very naive still at that point. Mm. Um, or to, hopeful. I was hopeful, but I I it just seemed so drastic. Like you hear about IVF, and there are lots of like misconceptions about it because it's not a infertility, and then IVF following that is not really something a lot of people talk about no. openly. Like I didn't really know. And definitely not amongst your peer set. No, yeah, not at all. Not at all. It, it seemed like something that you do when you'd like pardon, like it sounds harsh, but it like it sound it sounded like something you do when you'd let time pass you by and you waited for too long. That's kind of like the like what I thought of it, like, oh, you're fifty five and you mm. didn't have children and that like that's how far my mind went. And I was just like, I'm 20, at that point I was 27, 28. I was like, why would I resort to IVF? Like, I'm still so young. It's, mm. It seemed just way too drastic. But after a year, year and a half, two years of, of trying and, and being disappointed, um, you realize that whatever the next doctor mm. tells you, 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 need to, go with you need to consider it seriously. I can't imagine two years of that hope and the the few seconds or minutes when you're waiting for that test to come in yeah and it just it must be just the pain every single time yeah Yeah. like how do you keep committed to it were you at some point just going that's it we're not trying anymore we are in love and we are a wonderful team and we are all we need yeah and we need to stop hurting ourselves yeah I did I did go through many of those stages where I just we did take a break um, at one point. We, like, I just said we need to take a break from this and I need to have a month where I'm not going to test. But there's no end goal. Yeah, where there's no... like <laughs> just living no, your life. Yeah, exactly, where I, where I can't deal with the stress of, of waiting and, and waiting for something to happen because it would just, it would just break me. And yeah. I, like, I can't tell you the amount of nights, not even that long ago, like... Um, not even like less than a year ago where I would literally lie awake in bed thinking like what what's ahead of us in the future like I knew I knew that I would be happy with um, my marriage with CJ if we'd never have kids I Mm -hmm. knew I would I would eventually deal with it and I would eventually process it and I would be happy Mm. but like I knew that I also wouldn't give up until I've tried everything because I don't want that regret but I, it was funny that I, I would lie in bed then and think about all these things and think about if it'll happen, how it'll happen, when it'll happen. But I could never imagine myself pregnant. It was, mm. That scared me the most because you know how you can sometimes envision yourself with something that you really want. Um, like in the, in the past, I, I, could, I could kind of envision myself with a child but I could never envision myself pregnant. And that scared me because I was kind of like, is that a premonition or something? Mm. Was that kind of like Your a mind sign, isn't sign that I will never be pregnant, that I yeah. cannot see myself pregnant and I can't see myself with a belly. And and, and that just like... That's something in you knows. Yeah, is it, yeah, yeah. So I that scared me to death and it kept me up at night. And I like, I, 
I, I think about it often now even when mm. I see myself mm. um, and I see my belly I'm like this is actually real and and it's like I love seeing it because for so long I didn't know if it was ever going to happen mm. and even while I was pregnant in the in this beginning stages like like you kind of have that fear that it, you're not going to get to the end point. And, and every woman has that fear in yeah. the first, you know, everybody, there's such yeah. a culture here that don't say anything to exactly. anybody yeah. until you pass the 12 week mark. Yeah. Some people think it's like superstition. Others yeah. just like the security of having the first hospital appointment over with. Yeah. But I think that it also means that as a culture, we don't hear about people losing yeah. their baby in those few weeks because it comes and it goes and you might hear about it, you know, a few years on. Yeah. But you're not sitting around knowing what somebody's going through. Yeah, and I, I, I thought about it a lot um, because I, I would have liked to keep, when we, we eventually did the IVF, I would have liked to have kept it um, a secret from more people, that not, and, and I'm talking about our close friends. Like I nearly would have wanted nearly my parents not to even know mm. because I was so scared of another negative, um, a negative pregnancy test after even IVF, like... Like, I knew if IVF didn't even bring us to that point, then, like, I don't know how I'd be able to handle it. But then... Did you feel like you'd be hurting them with more bad news as well? Yeah, like, all this expectation, and then it wouldn't work. And But then I thought to myself, if you do tell, especially your close circle um, of friends and family, then you have them to support you going through that loss. Like, if you you aren't, like, if you are pregnant then in, in that first 12 weeks mm. but you do and you lose the baby mm. in the first 12 weeks it is a death and it's mm. you might not have known the person mm. you might not have known the baby or held the baby but it's still it was still a life that mm. you've lost and um and i i can't imagine the grief that you go through mm. so i i feel like i i would have wanted the support and yeah. i would not have been able to keep that a secret mm. so i probably would have well, uh, even if I fell pregnant naturally, I probably would have told more people than I than I thought I would um, before twelve weeks. Because if you lose it, then how do you like? I don't know how people even like. How do you face the world? How do you go to work? Because so many women yeah. go through. Did it. you just I'm, get up in the morning and pretend like nothing happened? Yes, I, I think way too many women go through these struggles by themselves without. Yeah. I, I've met. I met and have met through Instagram after sharing my story. Mm. I've met so many women. I didn't know in Ireland there are so many women that are struggling with infertility. Mm. I thought I thought Ireland is like this <laughs> magical <laughs> island where like it just doesn't happen. I know yeah. there are lots of um, like more recently a lot more women are talking about um, miscarriages. Yes, and I knew that was that was started like more people were talking about that, but infertility still was kind of like kind of unspoken of it's not really talked about a lot and and I got a lot of um personal messages on Instagram of um women like not not much older than I am that are that have been struggling for for two years three years um only recently started struggling Mm -hmm. that are going through IVF as well and and it, it honestly shocked me because I didn't think that that it was common in in Ireland and it's exactly why I wanted to meet with you today and why I wanted you to share your story because only by women feeling it and experiencing it and holding and feeling lonely because of it only by hearing 
you and others like you openly share their experience of it with no judgment, with no shame, with no blame, with no, you know, you're not blaming your body. You're not saying you did. It just happens. It happens. It just happens. And that, you know, maybe as women, our fertility is incredibly important part of who we are biologically and, you know, physiologically. And we go to the dentist all the time to check how our teeth are doing. (laughs) Yeah. We never go and ask, how's my fertility doing? Yeah. And like, I'd nearly, like, I would nearly demand more testing. Like, I would, if I knew then what I know now, like, if I knew at 25, 24, whenever I went to the gynecologist for just a general checkup, like, I would have demanded more because I did go to the gynecologist. Like, Mm. I, I wasn't... I wasn't slacking off. I, mm. I'd gone and I'd gone again and I'd gone even telling them, like, I'm planning on starting a family. Can you check me? Yes. Can you check me for whatever there needs to be checked for? But it's like you can get an ultrasound and they can check your follicles. I only had, I had one follicle on my left side and about f- about five on my right mm. hand side. And that's very, very mm. little for for my age. Um, like they'd expect nearly minimum, like at least the same amount on both sides. Yes. But one was nearly non-existent. And um, so like, you caught it in time as such. Like would yeah. IVF have even worked if those follicles had reduced further? Oh yeah, no, it, it might not have worked. Yeah. My chances of falling pregnant. So if you and CJ had decided at thirty-four, might have you're going to have late. a go. It might have been too late. Yeah. Yeah. It might have even like. Thankfully, I have, um, I, I did go through it and we, we, so what they do is they simulate your follicles and then they retrieve it via surgery um, and then they fertilize it. If you're, so you can freeze them as is, you're, yeah. you can freeze them at whatever and age use you them were, at a later time. and use them at a later time. Um, and so if, if, for instance, you're not in a relationship where you think you might want children with that person, you can freeze them by yourself and use them at a later stage. If you do have premature ovarian failure or you're at risk of that at a later later stage, but with ours, they uh, fertilize them and then they wait um, five days for them to mature because a lot of them don't make it. Um, so mm. they fertilize and then they, they just don't mature, they don't develop and then they're no use anyway. They wouldn't have been a viable baby or fetus anyway. Um, and luckily we do have, um, we do have two more that are frozen, um, in case, because I mean, I'm pregnant now, there's no way of retrieving any more eggs. And by the time we have the baby and, and you're over all that, I'm recovering into cycle again, I might not have, I might not have the chance to, Mm. to do that again. So I was very lucky because a lot of women don't, don't get any viable eggs. I've like, I've friends that have gone through it now recently and they their first round of IVF completely failed with nothing left and I mean and does does that feel like the end of the road um I'd say probably for the for them it does feel like everything feels like the end of the road every little hurdle feels like the end of the road for them but then you pick yourself up again and you and you carry on and it must and take amazing mental strength to do that though. yeah yeah and and it takes like you need you need support in in that in that setup you need you need someone to talk to and i like i'm grateful that they felt that they could talk to me mm. um because i also i had a very um 
like I had an amazing friend that I never knew that she went through this mm. herself when she was my age. She's a bit older than I am now, but she was like she was an incredible, incredible support structure for me because mm. she'd gone through exactly the same. And she was actually the friend that had um, referred me to the doctor that I eventually went to and that I did the IVF with after failing. Uh, I did an IUI. So that's intrauterine insemination. Okay. So we did that and that failed a year ago. And after that, I was kind of like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to from here. And she, she referred me to this doctor and that's she'd gone through exactly the same process as I did and and she ended up with this doctor and he helped her and miraculously she she fell pregnant with an IVF baby that time um, first mm. round and then after that she fell pregnant twice with twins oh wow so she has five, five she's gone from now. zero to five exactly <laughs> so the the pregnancy kind of kickstarted her fertility yeah, okay, again. So wow. you, there are stories of like jolt. It, yeah. Back to, this yeah. Is, also, this is what we're here to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Now, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Now my memories, uh, my memories back oh. there from what we're what we're made to oh, do. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, um, and were you successful on your first IVF? Yeah. yeah. I was very. I knew. I knew the the like the statistics of like it might not work. Mm. I think. It, it didn't look like the doctor also explains it to you um, because I have to. They explain to you the chances of yeah. falling pregnant. And in my case, with my diagnosis, it was um, I had something like a 10% chance of falling pregnant. Um, and um, it was it was quite daunting knowing mm. that it's it's very it's a very slim chance. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a, the odds are kind of against us. And every time we do it, like I'm going to be older and it's, my like time is literally running out yeah um so it was it was quite daunting because then then you're just waiting you're you're doing this you're doing the follicle simulation and then you retrieve the eggs and you get an x amount of eggs and you feel like you were given a star in school like because <laughs> they, they place a sticker on your hand after the surgery with the amount of eggs you have and you kind of feel proud no of these way. eggs and <laughs> And then you wait. What's that to represent? Just that it was just like once you're out of surgery, they write the amount of eggs on the sticker. So when you wake up, like it's kind of like I don't know, it, like it, it was. I just remember looking. I was kind of still groggy from the anesthesia. Anesthesia, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh nine, and I just kept repeating this number over and over, yeah. and I was kind of still like out of it. Uh, I don't know if it's just for for your own like because I probably tell you but you forget because yeah, you're not yeah, there so then yeah. you just see it on your hand um, probably still have the sticker somewhere no but then then you wait for the results of how many fertilized because mm. not all of them fertilize and then then you wait for how many have made it to day five mm. and then you're finally when the day five is over and they freeze whatever amount you have then you kind of um, relax for a little bit but then you know the transfer is coming and and you have the two weeks so you have a two week wait after the transfer to see if like it, if it just, worked yeah. and how that, do you keep your mind busy oh you, how are you waiting for that phone call going okay so this is the amount of eggs we have this is how many have been oh, fertilized i, I can't imagine how I'm, you are not going no, crazy at this point no i did and you go through like you're optimistic and you're like you're great and then you're and then you're down in the dumps and you're like, yeah. and you feel like it's all over because I remember getting the call that, um, so I think we retrieved nine eggs, seven fertilized, um, and then 
five, five looked to develop well. And on day five, they called me. And I remember I was, I was in Limerick having coffee with a friend. And I, I stepped out because I knew the call yeah. was coming. So I stepped out. And I was really optimistic. Okay. And the lady said, one egg has reached day five. And it felt like, it felt like it felt like I went completely cold and numb and like like my legs were going to give in like mm. beneath me and I was like okay and then she said there are two more that look like they could make it they they will give those two mm, mm, um, mm. another day so they can give it up to day six um but they the to this point there's only one and um you just like you kind of want to hold on to the hope but I was just I was just over it. I was sitting right here when CJ got home. Yeah. And I was just like beaten. I was just yeah. like done. And because you want you want the backup kind of. Like I wanted at least three so I know yeah. like if this doesn't work. So you're not pinning everything on this on one, one yeah. egg. Yeah. And then he, this little tiny egg and all of your hopes. It's on <laughs> this one little egg. tiny egg. And I was like, I my I can't dangle my hope on no. one like on no. that. But CJ again was like, Don't worry about it. Like it's the golden egg. Like, it's fine. Like, we, we, we can do this. He's like... Was he doing the sports psychology on you? Yeah. And luckily, sports psychology works on me. Yeah. But I was just kind of like... I was just like... I am just... This is just one... Not, like, just another blow that I cannot deal with right yeah. now. And I was broken. And he... Um, he was like... But they said to have a chance. Like, the other two, like, they can still get there. And he was just like... He was just going for it. Like, he was just going for it. He was so positive. And I was just... I was just... Have you asked done. him... Did he really mean that positivity yeah. or was he doing it for yeah. you? No, he said, like, he fully said, like, he believed that, that they would, they would also, like, catch up. And he's like, it's us. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's our, it's our DNA. What do you expect? Of they're course winners. they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to, like, they're going to tough it out. Yeah. So, um, we, I think the next, yeah, so the next day, I think he was with me when they called and I was I was so relieved. So the, the two the two other ones did make it, and it's just it's bizarre thinking about these two little like embryos, like they're t- like they're minuscule, they're tinier than a poppy seed. Yeah, like they're yeah. like I'm rooting for little yeah. poppy seeds. Like this to, is like, your future. This is yeah, life. Like, I, the, like my life revolves around these Mad. two or three little things, yeah. and um, so that worked out and. And then it was just like it's, the two week wait was excruciating. It was it was excruciating. But the how did you fill your days? Did you? I was in South Africa because yeah. I did the transfer there, and I, luckily I was at home. And um, I'd be like looking at my calendar, going right. I'm meeting this person at nine. This yeah. person at ten. My, just my can't schedule. be alone. Yeah, I I I funny and like I am more of an alone person, mm. but. It like I was very good for about five days, and then then the mental battle yeah. started, and and the friend that had gone through it, it did tell me about like she said physically you're gonna fly through it, you're gonna do yeah. great, but mentally you're gonna start breaking yourself down, and that is exactly what happened. So I I remember I um, sent her voice notes nearly every day, and mm-hmm. she caught like she <laughs> she calmed me down. She yelled at me. She was angry with me, mm. and then she comforted me. So mm. she she did all of that. Mm. She was like, "You're gonna stop doing this to yourself now," because I would just be like, I would overanalyze every little feeling. Like, nah, it's done. I can feel I'm not pregnant. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not yeah. where it didn't work. And yeah. then 
And then she'd be like, you cannot feel a thing yeah. by now. Like, it's 10 days and you can't feel a but thing. But you can just make your mind think it's feeling things exactly. that doesn't exist. Exactly. You're like, I feel far too energetic today. Exactly. It is. There's a problem. It exactly. <laughs> it's done. It's done. And then, like, I, I just imagine the weirdest things and then, like, your mind runs away with you. But I will never forget the more, like, I couldn't sleep the day that I knew... I could test, but I mm. lied to everyone. So I didn't tell my parents um, that I could test. Yeah. I told them I could test only two days later. So you have to do a blood test. So you're preparing test. yourself. You just you couldn't handle that pressure I, yeah. again. I needed I needed the, the kind of time by myself, but I was optimistic the day that I tested. I I just I had this little feeling that like mm. this is had this has to be it. So I um, I did the test. I presume CJ knew it and this was this was the test. Or was it just you? Just me. Just, just me and, and my the friend that had gone through it her like I I told her that I was gonna okay. I was gonna test before anyone knew I was gonna test. So I did it I couldn't sleep in the morning and I did it the first thing in the morning yeah. and I remember like seeing something that I'd never seen yeah. before on a clear blue pregnancy <laughs> test. I was like it was doing something completely different. It said um, it said pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it did differently. Yeah, it like um, it like it said it, and I was like, I was waiting for not to come up or yeah, something, and yeah, I just yeah. saw, I saw the weeks come up, and and I couldn't believe it, yeah. and it was just like I couldn't contain my excitement. But CJ was in, in Ireland, and oh, such um, a shame that he missed yeah, that moment. Yeah, but I um, I had a like actually I was very optimistic, so I had a mug made um, oh. before I'd left. Um, and I gave it to friends of ours here, oh. and I I asked them to have him over for coffee if if the results went well. I asked them to have him over for coffee and make him coffee in this <gasps> mug, and then record it oh, while what I call him. Oh, lovely idea! Oh my god, even I'm well enough now. <laughs> so I so I wanted it on like on a video just from myself to keep yeah. um, in case it it was it was true. So um, I have it on video when they tell him, um, like when they told him, like. They gave him the coffee, yeah. and then I was on the phone with him, and I said, "No, what are you doing?" He's like, "No, I'm just here having coffee." I said, "Oh, what what are you what mug are you drinking out of?" And he and he looked at it, and he was like, "No, you're lying, <laughs> you're lying." So he was um he was. What did you have written on it? It just said, "Dad, um, Dad established 2019," oh. and um, I think it took him a while to kind yeah. of realize what what it was all about, but um. At least I have it on on video for, for myself and for for everybody to to see one day. And was he so relieved? Yeah, um, he was. Um, he he claimed he knew he knew it would like would happen. They do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't they didn't have the two week wait. He yeah. he kept himself busy with a with a rugby, but um, it was it was. A but I imagine relief. even still, you know, it must be hard to to step up to that level of performance oh, when he's so worried about yeah. you. No, it was, and it was a really tough, well, it has been a tough two to three years. Like when all of this happened, he, he, he was injured just before um, the diagnosis. So he was injured just before the Lions tour, before they'd left. And he was going away with an injury, but he was too stubborn to admit it. So he had an ankle that was actually meant to, they were actually meant to, um, to operate on him. Mm to fix it but he didn't want to I mean going on the Lions tour is a once in a lifetime experience like an opportunity you'd he might never get again um so he went and he didn't he didn't have a great season from then on out and it wasn't a great season for like various reasons but this certainly didn't help and it's this mental this the struggle at home that he was going through by himself 
trying to trying to be tough for, for me and mm. trying to be tough for us and trying to navigate through this thing with no one to really talk to because guys are different. Mm. Um, he like he's also raised as like guys are tough yeah. and you don't cry and like I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen him cry. Um, well, well, up to that point, I've never seen him when cry. When is she? <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. But um, so he was he was navigating through that while trying to play rugby and with like just the way sport is and rugby is Mm -hmm. like if you're not doing well, Mm -hmm. like critics are going to let it be heard. Yeah. And um, and he can deal well with that. But then but then like he also knows that it's it's tough on me hearing also negative criticism from the rugby side even though i'm dealing with this yeah. like like i get i get so angry when people when people criticize him for things that like okay if he knocked the ball fair play that had, that did happen but when when people become personal um, towards him as a player and they say that he he's stupid or like when they become when they become personal and and that and that happens on top of whatever we're going through like I just want to jump on mm. Twitter and like tell them off mm, mm. but then I like I realize I need Feels to calm the down fire. and yeah it's just it's only like it's only someone key, some keyboard warrior on mm. their laptop who could never be in his position and they could never say that to his face no. anyway so it was a lot of things definitely that, not yeah besides <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of people say he's not as big when you meet him in person. So yeah, he's not as here a, today. But as a couple, though, how have you how have you been welcomed in Ireland? And do oh, you amazing. feel like you're building a home that you're going to, yeah, yeah. you know, welcome your child into yeah, this world no. here? Um, like we we honestly couldn't have asked for a better welcome in Ireland from the very beginning. Um, that like obviously you're always going to get a few like you're going to get a few people that that don't feel like he deserves to play for Ireland. Like, there's always going to be yeah. negative. You can't expect it all to be positive. But the majority has been so positive and the people are just incredibly respectful and um, they're so kind and just supporters from not even, not just Munster, yeah. like, people from, from Dublin, from Leinster, like, have sent, um, like, the most amazing gifts to CJ and, and us, like, for, for Everly. Um, which we're so grateful for, and it really, it, like, it makes you feel like it makes you feel very welcomed and and loved by like by everyone. It's not just your own club. Like with him, what you see is what mm. you get. Like he he genuinely just is the way he is, and he has time for everyone and for all supporters. And he like he just he appreci- appreciates his support so much because. Um, it, it was tough in the beginning coming over to to Ireland as mm. we were very young and he did go through an injury in the very beginning but people have been very welcoming and and it's um, it's rugby is a tough sport but the like the amount of support we get in um, like just over like it completely overcast like all the negative negativity mm. that you do get there's way more support and did it and pick love. you up yeah in those dark times when yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like when um, when it when times got tough sometimes, and and you hear some you hear someone just saying something nice about mm-hmm. CJ, it does it does make it a lot better because you you realize then like I realize a lot of the time like I'm in this with him and there's mm-hmm. no one else I'd rather mm-hmm. be in it with and 
um, even when he's going through such a hard time, he's still he's still a really good person to to other people. He doesn't let that get him down, and, and that was very was I was very thankful to have him go through it with me. And how has the pregnancy been? Oh, for how, for how much I struggled to get to the pregnancy point, mm. I, pregnancy has been a breeze. Okay. I'm so grateful because I, I was terrified that if it was such a struggle to get to full pregnant, yeah. then what like what lay ahead? What, yeah, what lay mm. ahead? And I was I was terrified of that. But um, I like the first twelve weeks, I was I was a little tired and I was a little nauseous, but. It wasn't anything I couldn't like. I eat a I'd eat a ginger biscuit and I'd feel fine in the mornings. And then second trimester, I didn't even know I was pregnant mm. and You're just I, bursting with energy. Yeah, at that point. yeah. So I really like the only the only thing now was that I like I start I start my feet my my hands my feet my face like I can feel that they're puffy and they're starting to swell. But I mean. For four, those listening, I can confirm that Jean-Marie <laughs> is absolutely radiating, and I have no idea what she's talking about. Radiating heat, yes. The, the heat is all. Awesome. No, you look so healthy. Oh, thank you. Thanks. You really do. You are thank beaming you. happiness. Oh, thank you. Just thank you. health personified. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, it's, it's, um, I've really been very, very lucky. I... I um I can't consider myself very blessed to to have had a very smooth 35 36 weeks now mm-hmm. so um just four week four more to go and I I know I'm going to I'm going to miss my my bump my belly yeah. a lot it's going to feel empty but um it's been it's been great so far now I have nothing to nest anymore <laughs> I'm cleaning I'm cleaning the the most random places now because the nursery is all done and there's nothing more I can do in yeah. there, so now it's just a waiting. And now you're just waiting for yeah. your little baby girl to be yeah. born. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing you. your journey with us, and I hope that by sharing your story, you have given women that are going through this a voice and have given them hope, and um, can learn something from your just your complete positive outlook. Thank um, you. And Thank I wish you all of the very best in the thank next you. four weeks thank you and um i can't wait thank to you. hear that your little baby girl is here thank you so much thank you for listening to me and also hope that that my story could could spread some hope and and even if someone would just want to, to talk to me i'm i'm there if they can reach me on instagram or whatever i'm i'm always like i i'll never forget what it felt like to go through it and and um it's i'm always there to to listen to anyone that wants to talk that's really generous of me thank you very much thanks thanks for listening to every month the podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and we'd love you to leave a review for more support and advice on fertility you can visit the dedicated area over on everymum.ie or get in touch with us by connecting on instagram or facebook we'd love to hear from you this series is kindly supported by water wipes Water wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.